Welcome back for episode 57 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on October 26, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. We have alongside me, Mel. How are you doing tonight, Mel? Did you get any good mass so far with the Festival of the Lost? Um, yeah, actually, um, I admit I'm one of those people that, um, sadly spent like $20 on the Festival of the Lost boxes to try to get, um, not any of the masks in particular, but I want a ghost ghost because it's super freaking adorable. And I spent all the money and then I didn't, I didn't get a ghost ghost. So I was like super dejected. It's like, all right, fine. I guess I'll just do it on my other characters. Maybe I'll get it. And so I did it on my secondary character and then Bada bing, I got it and I was super excited. So I like like doing my own little happy dance like in my chair on my couch and and like, oh my god, I got ghost ghost. And then my boyfriend looks over at me and he goes, I hate you because he wanted ghost ghost really bad. <laughs> and he got the little devil one, which is adorable too, but I mean it's not as adorable as ghost ghost. So um, but I was excited. That was Festival of the Lost, I think, is one of my favorite events all year on Destiny. So I'm I'm in love with the broom. Oh yeah! Oh t- oh my gosh! Have you gone over to the frame that actually yes. uses the broom? You know, and uh, pins pins nailed it in chat. Uh, you know who that voice is? No, who is Jen it? Jen Taylor. That's Jen why is Taylor. that name super familiar? Why is that name super familiar? What else did Jen Taylor do? She. Oh my gosh! Why am I blanking on this one? Uh, Cortana. That's why. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you said that, I can. What I just. Yeah. What does the broom say? Sweep, sweep, <laughs> sweep, sweep. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Love, love it. The sense of humor. The sense of humor that they keep is. I, I'm. I'm enjoying it so far. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we're also pleased to have with us tonight one of the most important figures in my life, at least, Kashin. Cause she, That's me. How, <laughs> how's it going? It's going good. I'm exhausted, but I'm <laughs> hanging in there. Well, can you, uh, can you tell us real quick where people can find you out on the internets? Oh, um, I guess I'm on Twitter, uh, at gamers wife. That's gamers with a Z and wife with a Y <laughs> and no E. So I'm cool. Um, uh, that's mostly what you find me. I'm on Discord. I'm just not very active. So at me on Discord. I'm uh, Kashin on Discord, and I'll try to like check it more often. But yep, we're trying. We're trying to get her more active on social media. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a bit of you an can always struggle. like just tell Blue that you're looking for me, and then that's yeah, you know, he'll find me. Very true. That well. Works. The second guest we have with us tonight is Inver, a really good friend of Kashina and I's from college and a huge fan of world crafting and video games in general, especially, I believe it's Dragon Age. Um, Inver, how are you doing tonight? And can you tell us where people can find you as well? I'm doing okay, and I don't know where to find myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ser- I, lo- I don't remember my Twitter handle. Yeah, you're you, in a tower. There we go. That's what it is. Yeah. We'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> if you must. <laughs> oh 
<laughs> well, the topic of today's chat is going to be a bit of deviation from the norm since everyone actually banded together to support some good old positivity and voted yes. Um, as much as we enjoyed the absolute mayhem that was the chat this week, I thought it might be a good time to sit down and talk about the general themes and theories of what it is that we get together each week to discuss. Stories. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the new lore of Dredgen, Yor, and Thorn. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. A quick reminder, this weekend we will also be voting for the next Extra Lore topic, which is the month-long chat, so please keep an eye out for that. Please also be sure to give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include The Guardian Radio, the official podcast of The Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghosts and Echoes, which also is um, the Destiny audio grimoire. Our next chat will also be a discussion on Ikora Ray, the Warlock Vanguard Mentor. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into our topic for this chat, Stories. Um, and I, you know, so this is, like I said, this is going to be kind of a deviation from the normal podcast. We don't have grimoire on yes, and we definitely don't have grimoire on the stories within destiny, uh, as much as some of us would absolutely love to know the overarching themes and theories of most of those, the story writers of the game. But I wanted, I wanted to take, kind of take a chance and, talk about like the basic concept of the style of stories and like really kind of maybe even kind of talk about what got each of us into world crafting and into video games. So like for the, the ex- exploration of the stories, um, Kashin is not so much a video game player as a video game connoisseur. She, she really appreciates a good story. Um, she's, she's amazing at playing Dr. Mario, backseat driver, Dr. Mario. (laughs) I don't, I don't. Oh oh, yeah. I am outstanding at Dr. Mario. I can just, (laughs) yeah, I'm awesome. Which reminds me. And then also I'll play uh, some smash brothers with Kirby. Cause I can rock Kirby. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. She is pretty decent. Kirby is amazing. (laughs) Let me just say Kirby is the best one in smash bros. Hands Mm -hmm. down. I I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. That thing you turn into a rocket and like slam your friends. Awesome. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> like especially when it was on the N sixty four and it was just like a quick little down on that yellow joystick. Like, oh man. I, or I or like you get a little double jump. They're like trying to get back on the platform, and you go hi ya, and the little like sword like mm-hmm. like knocks them off, and then they mm-hmm. try to hit you. And you go way off screen and go boop boop <laughs> boop boop. And you come all and the then, way back. Oh, and they just go ah oh, come on. <laughs> 
Yep. Come at me, bro. <laughs> uh... Good scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this reminds me, I, I needed to uh, get you and Morla to play Dr. Mario with one another. Oh, is she supposed she, to be good? She, uh, she, she claims to be a champion at Dr. Mario. So oh we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave that statement where it, where it lies. And, but I was going to... I mean, it sounds like a scene was kind of throwing the gauntlet down. <laughs> she's supposed to be good? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so good. I would like play the top level and I'd like play my sister. She'd be at like level three and I'd be at like level 30 and I'd still beat her. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, like really good at doing the thing where you get the double things and then like you like, you like poop on your friend, like little things fall and like screw up their thing. <laughs> I'm real good. Anyway, I continue. This is your show. Well, I was going to say. While while you're not while you're not like a huge video game player necessarily, we like Inver and Kashin and I definitely have um, played a number of role playing games in which we we freeformed created the world, and these are two of personally what I view as the best people at creating detailed worlds. Especially Inver, Inver can create amazingly detailed worlds. And Kashin, actually, the reason I asked Kashin to get on and Inver to get on is actually they're in the process of actually writing a book as well. And Kashin. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, well, and Kashin already has a draft of one book done. Um, and so I, I, I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about, you know, what are what got you into stories? What got games and otherwise? And what are your favorite styles or genres or types of stories? And like, how do you how do you view that in regards to? And then Inver, especially, I want to talk with you about the implementation of that and the game and the lore and stuff like that into video games. And so I'm going to kind of let Kashin. I'm going to let you take the lead on that one, that first part, if you would. Like what got me into, like wh- like why I like a good story. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um. So, I mean, I've always loved reading and stuff, but when when I was in high school, I got involved in some uh, role playing, and we did the freeform stuff, and it's basically like cooperative story writing. And I found early on that I I think I enjoy writing a good story even more than reading one. Um, I think why I love stories so much is they allow you to explore um, experiences outside your own, especially, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, fantasy and fiction and things like that. Things that are supernatural um, out of this world, things that you wouldn't encounter normally, but at the same time, um, I, I like those for setting because I think they're interesting and fun, but I think I love exploring uh, human nature and I love the character development. I love, I, I like people and getting to know people. So this is just another aspect of that. These are very unique expressions of various authors and things like that. So I think, I think that's what I love most is to see how uh, characters develop through a story, how they grow. I like it when they have really complicated faults. I like a good redemption story. I like uh, complicated relationships. I like, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, a, a good, a good setting and a good plot is always 
crucial, of course, but you can win me over with good characters. Um, so, and I, I think that's that's true for um, video games. I don't really play much. I'm not very good. I get very frustrated. But a good story, I'll come back. I'll just watch. I love watching Assassin's Creed. I liked watching the Halo story. Um, I think I'm drawn into Destiny because I feel like, well, only because of listening to you guys talk about it. And I can tell there's a really intricate story underneath it all. And I like watching that come together. I know that's kind of, I know, all all that stuff. I, I'm very excited about stories in general. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, in chat kind of is talking about that too, you know, stories that reflect what human life could potentially be like, you know, or what, you know, Green mm-hmm. is saying is the best, the best stories. What, uh, what about you, Inver? What, what would you say? How did you get into games, like exploring stories and games? And what are your, what's your preferred genre? Oh, no, I, I just like a good time, y'all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I'm definitely interested in, in um, the human experience and, and seeing that develop throughout this whole adventure that you're not really used to and seeing how people interact with each other. That's always very interesting. And especially in an environment that you're just not used to, um, both for video games and, and stories. Like I'm very into sci-fi and fantasy. Um, like I think the, the very first like big story that I remember reading as a kid was uh, the Animorph series. by K. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a good time. That was definitely a good time. Um, and then I guess after that period of my life finished, I moved into playing EverQuest and I got really into the lore there. Um, which was weird because I like, I don't, um, I feel like lore and MMOs is a difficult combination. Um, but just having that experience of knowing this whole history of this whole other world that you're immersed in just, provides so much depth for your character. Like whether, whether you're role-playing as your character or not, like it's just satisfying to know that there's um, this involvement with what you're, what, what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that everyone who has played destiny definitely can speak to the, the difficulty of putting lore in an MMO. I mean, even if you're from a normal first person shooter situation like Halo, uh, you know, the MMO quality of Destiny, I think, is ultimately part of the, you know, the the speed bump that has been thrown towards Bungie and getting the story. Because with Halo and, you know, with standard first person shooters, it's pretty linear, right? You know, you start at point A, you go to point B, you shoot things in between. And so they kind of can put the story pretty straightforward right there whereas with destiny it's like you start at point a and you can end anywhere from point b to point 55 and it there's no requirement necessarily to go through the the particular order um and so and i think that's kind of the similar thing i i never got into everquest necessarily but i got a little bit into wow um 
And that was always the feeling was it was like it was like getting hit in the head with the sledgehammer because of the possibility was just so out there like you could do with whatever. And that's why I love like the Bethesda games like Skyrim and, you know, Oblivion and especially the Elder Scrolls. I absolutely adore them because it's just an open world. Um, And so that's kind of I definitely think that. What about what about you, Mel? What what would you say got you into stories and your favorite um, I actually have very vivid memories of the one of the very first video games I picked up. Well, not the first, but the first one that I, I clearly remember having a story and it was actually Sonic the Hedgehog. And it's it's really stupid, but I remember picking up the the book, and this is back in the day when there would be actual like story about the characters yes. in the in the book. And so I picked it up and I as a kid, I, I was really drawn to tales and I was like, what is, what is up with his tales? Like I wanted to know. And I looked up the book and it just had like a simple little definition, like little blurb about him, about like who he was and how he met Sonic and how he was born with two tails and blah, 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 blah. blah. And like, I want to say like that point um, in, in just finding out like, Oh my gosh, like people actually like take time to build these characters in video games um, was kind of the jumping off point. Cause I almost any single game from there on out that I became really invested in, regardless of what genre it was. Um, I always would try to find out more information. Like what's the other part of the story that they're not, explicitly telling you right off the bat by playing the game like is there stuff online is there books are there art books um i know for a while i was into um, both soul Calibur and double my cry series and they don't have a lot of like lore specifically double my cry does more but soul Calibur doesn't doesn't really have it right there out in your face um and i remember getting online back in the early days this is when like you know google wasn't really just starting to come out and like ebay was big and i would i would buy the art books and the art books had so much lore Mm -hmm. um and information about these characters that aren't available anywhere else you know this is before wikia and like youtube and stuff was out and like definitely before like um people really turned to podcasts for this type of information so um and from there on out, it just became more and more. Um, and that now, like with Destiny, especially, I find it, I, I enjoy it a lot um, when maybe games aren't so forthcoming with their story um, that it makes me kind of work for it a little bit. Like, I mean, I don't want to have to sit here and literally spend hours forever reading on stuff, but like just enough to whet my appetite within the game to go well, that's interesting. What about this? You know, that gets your mind going and then you go and find out more information about it. So, um, and pretty much anything, anything I've played that I've been super invested in from like fallout to mass effect, mass effect really did me in like, let me tell you. That was a good time. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> it was a really good time. There was a lot of feels, I think. Oh yes. Um, and personally invested story-wise, uh, Mass Effect was definitely the one that that there was almost tears a couple times playing that game. But um, almost. but, but um, <laughs> almost, I I I had to hold them back. <laughs> I like I'm not gonna cry over a video game. Like this is just a video game. But oh my god, so. Um, that's yeah, a good like, story. Let that you know, like one that really makes you feel like you're living it. Yeah, you know? it it does. Like it's it's beyond being invested in just trying to know the characters because it 
you are shepherd, regardless of how how it's written. And like you, you feel like you're shepherd. These are your decisions. And the fact that decision making, I feel like it's been but in the game as before, but I feel with Mass Effect and what Bioware does, like their ability to tell stories through decision making, um, and how much it brings you into this the 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 story. Like it really breaks down that fourth wall. Like you feel so immersed in it. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel not to the extent that that Mass Effect was, but with Destiny, I do feel like that to an extent, um, just because um, I'm not making specific decisions, but I feel like there's a personal connection between my guardian and I, and that the decisions that I'm making in game are reflected on kind of similar. I mean, I know it's not crazy as, as in depth and as um, game altering as it was in Mass Effect and a little bit in, I didn't play much of Dragon Age. I couldn't get into Dragon Age. I know very sad <laughs> i know people cry tears like oh my goodness yeah i i, I missed i missed the train on that one so but um i n- i haven't ever been really big into like books and storytelling like most of my stuff i'm I, like comics and stuff yeah um in terms of genres that i really like i've always been drawn to sci-fi um re- i'm really drawn to a lot of uh storytelling and movies um especially like horror sci-fi is one of my favorites and i think that's why um first person shooters that are set in space aka destiny or mass effect um where there's a sense of element of danger and like oh my gosh this is really going on um really i really gravitate to that type of stuff so yeah cool cool well cute for for myself what got me into stories um geez i don't i don't know if i actually even really had a choice um pretty much from as far as i can remember i've been exposed to like literature all my life uh, and so, like, growing up, I was, you know, like, Chronicles of Narnia, The Lord of the Rings, you know, all the classic literature, like the Odyssey, the Iliad, the Aeneid, all these things, um, you know, all the Shakespeare and all this stuff throughout high school. And, you know, that and then ultimately, like, when I was in high school, I found uh, the Dark Tower series, which was really my if, if you guys don't know this by now. You should go listen to the past couple episodes, maybe like 57 of them. Um, (laughs) The Dark Tower series is an amazing confluence of like a lot of different genres. You got like the Western, you have the sci-fi, you have like this really weird, horrifying, supernatural elements. And it just was a really, really, it's, it's a beautifully woven together story. Um, and then, you know, yeah, like, I mean, you have Asimov, yeah, and Mystic's throwing these in chat right now, Bradbury, Heinlein, um, mm. all of these, all these, you know, Philip K. Dick, who is an amazing writer for short stories, um, you know, he, he's very, he's a very influential in science fiction movies, you know, do androids dream of electronic sheep, you know, most people know that as Blade Runner, uh, Minority Report. Scanner Darkly. Those are all uh, PKD short stories. Um, and so, yeah. And then, and then like in high school, I got into D and D and I, I always like the group, the core group that we always played with, it was always, you know, tabletop. So we were always playing tabletop. We never played digitally and, but we always played free form and, but it was like a weird free form 
uh, it was it was using D and D rules, but it was very very heavy emphasis on. Uh, the role playing aspect of it and the exploration of like the world around us and all that. And so, you know, Gygax was a huge, huge influence. And, and then I got into college and we started doing it digitally on message boards. And that's where Inver, Inver and I, I think kind of hit it off there. Uh, Kashin and I as well. And that was, you know, that was where we all kind of, we found that, that co-creating the worlds were just amazing. And then, and then all three of us, Inver, Kashin, and myself, we all actually, um, we actually studied psychology with a phenomenological bend. Um, and I'm, I've gone into that a little bit. Uh, and my, my thesis for, for college was actually talking about mythology in the Victorian period and how it presents uh, the uh, thanatology, which is basically the study of death and dying, and how they presented the the attitude towards death within their mythos. Inver has me beat here. His, you know, Inver, I'm going to let you kind of say because I I'm not going to be able to do justice to your your thesis because this is this is very relevant actually. So I'm going to hand it back over to you real quick. Wait, which which one are you talking about? Your your first uh, thesis. Your first thesis. <laughs> so, <laughs> later, later my, well, yeah. Let's do let's do all of them. Let's do all. Nerd. Of them. Uh, uh, yeah. So my uh, my undergraduate thesis was so what I tell people professionally is that it was a sociological study of how we define heroism in a nine in a post nine eleven society, um, and so to do that, I uh, read a bunch of comic books. <laughs> I like the way you curse, sir. Heck yeah, it's awesome. Am I allowed to curse? I can curse, right? No. Justin curses all the time. Uh, <laughs> Don't use Justin uh, as a role model. Yeah. Oh, too late. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, like, that, that study kind of started this whole um, thing. Like, I... I as part of that study, I looked into a lot of Joseph Campbell and a lot of Carl Jung, um, and then ended up with my master's thesis about um, looking at personality in terms of how that is expressed in role-playing games. Um, like how we uh, kind of look at personality typology, like how we might have a normal like our everyday persona, but then we can, we're still easily able to express this whole other side of ourselves through playing games and playing this whole other role. I love that. That's awesome. Yes. But yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know what else you want me to say. <laughs> okay. <about it>. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, well, I, I just knew, I knew like if I tried to, if I tried to explain your thesis, I would like do it a disservice. So, um, and it is, it's relevant and, you know, you bring, you, you mentioned Campbell and we just recently had a conversation on Twitter with Campbell a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, and I think, I think you and I, I think we're kind of in agreement that Campbell is an oversimplification of the mythology, but then again, Campbell's entire point was to oversimplify it. So I don't, I don't really know how I feel about Campbell, but 
I mean, um, the point of the whole so Joseph Campbell with um, the his book, uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces, yeah, which, thousand which yeah. describes the hero's journey, which was this monomyth. Um, but basically, it was just like he did this whole culture analysis looking at different myths and folk tales throughout different um, cultures and societies and just kind of collated them all together into. Um, into this one narrative. So it is oversimplified, but he, that, that was definitely an intent because it was definitely pulling out what the, um, uh, I just lost my train of thought, the pulling out what the specific themes, right. Yeah. Like the, the similar things that are coming up in, in these different myths and folk tales. Right. And so like, so for those for those who are not familiar with Joseph Campbell, I I really do encourage you to I'll I'll throw a link. It, the Wikipedia page is actually it, as much fun as I make fun of Wikipedia. It does a decent job summarizing summarizing it. Um, but Joseph Campbell wrote the I think it was the Hero of a Thousand Faces. Uh, it was in forty nine. Was it nineteen forty nine when he published? Heroes, possibly. My book is across the room. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know the heroes. Like I don't know the hero of a thousand faces exact publication. But Campbell's theory, basically, the hero's journey was really 1949. That was kind of his his period, 1949, 1950. And what he did is exactly what Inver was just saying. He basically he basically took everything and boiled it down to really just basics uh he he turned it into three acts uh which have about 17 subsections but the main acts are your first act is departure and then your second act is the initiation and then the third act is the return um and this again is really just like inver was saying again just kind of the the breakdown of most mythology into what he i think he kind of did he to, uh, coin the phrase monomyth was was that his phrase uh, or was it i'm uh, not sure if it was i can't remember off the top of my head i mean it oh no 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 it, it was borrowed from finnegan's wake sorry i knew that uh james joyce that was i i, I blanked on that one uh um, that sounds legit so, so monomyth is literally it's it's one myth. Like it's it's the the idea that there is an underlying um, meta myth, basically, of most of mythology out there, if not all. And so there's 17 stages within Hero of a Thousand Faces. Oh, Green Green did confirm that. Thank you. Uh, he did publish Hero with a Thousand Faces in 1949. Um, so Campbell broke most of this monomyth down into 17 stages, which is each of those are within the acts. Um, and so the way that he did this was a really basic, a really basic summary is for the first act, which is what's departure. Um, a lot of times this is where the hero or the protagonist who lives in the ordinary world, uh, basically receives a call to go on an adventure. Um, Common example would be in the uh, the Hobbit, you know, the beginning of the Hobbit, where he gets knock, knock, knock on the door, and he basically he basically gets called to do go on an adventure. And generally, a lot of heroes are reluctant to follow the call, 
But then a mentor figure steps in and kind of a, or a supernatural figure steps in and kind of pushes them down the road. Again, think about, you know, Bilbo and the Hobbit. Uh, he didn't really want to go, but hey, we're going on an adventure. And then that brings us into the initiation section, which is basically the hero is is walking across the threshold into the unknown or the, quote, special world, if you would, where the the task or the trials um, really happen for this hero. And this can happen either alone or with the assistance of others. And usually, I mean, it, it really does matter. Again, using The Hobbit. You know he has a he has a group of people, a group of dwarves that he's going with, and he's help and that are helping him. Um, in Destiny, we have we the initiation for us is you know after pretty much immediately we are thrown into a, a basically a fight, um, and so and our our mentor figure for us in Destiny would be the ghost. You know that's kind of the person who's as much as everyone makes fun of him for saying. It's kind of the person who kind of is pushing us into doing this. And then usually what happens in the initiation is there there's a point in which there's a central crisis of the adventure. And then there's an ordeal that they must overcome. And once they overcome it, they return to the ordinary world with a reward. And that's kind of that enters into the return section. And this, the return section is when the hero is coming back across that threshold, but this time he's coming from the unknown into the known. And, you know, there, there might be the, the emphasis in the return section is the transformation of the hero by the adventure, whether that's through wisdom or power or something like that. Um, not only is the Hobbit, a very good example of this, but star Wars actually is a, a pretty much a verbatim, model of the Campbell monomyth. Um, and I think Lucas actually, actually Lucas actually did say that that was really a big, a big encouragement for him when he was writing star Wars. And I, I yeah, Rose has that in chat. Um, Moyers and Lucas, they did an interview. I think they had two interviews, a video interview, um, about Campbell and the influence that it had on star Wars. And they were, they were very, very, very interesting. But that's all to say is that's that's literature and that's mythology and you know general mythology. But how does that how exactly does that transform into video games? It depends on the video game, really. Um, you know, again, depending on the mechanics of the game, you know, we we were kind of talking about that a little bit earlier. MMOs are really difficult to get that into because of the open worldness. Um, whereas like a first person shooter or even dragon age to a degree, I mean, dragon age was, I've only played the first one and it was pretty linear. I don't, I think it got a little, didn't it get a little bit more open world as it went in for year, year of the dragon age. Uh, the first one, it, it was pretty linear. The, but the, I know inquisition Uh, was like pretty open. Yes. Inquisition was, was much more different. But I mean, by that, I guess though, by the time Inquisition came out, the myth, the lore, the underlying lore of Dragon Age was really already established, for the most part, right? Well, but sure. <laughs> I mean, there's also the sense that there was this whole like plan from the first game. Well, yeah, that's true. Okay, I guess, yeah, I guess that is very true. 
I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think how, if the monomyth concept, you know, is that, is that something that you could apply to in a video game mechanically? So, I mean, I guess my, again, I guess my question is how, how does the application of the monomyth theory to video games, how does that, how would you guys see that? As being, because I mean, like the whole departure thing is usually explained in a cutscene. I mean, I feel like it's still there. I mean, I don't obviously I don't play a lot of games, but I do watch a lot of them. And if that, if that didn't, I mean, some some games probably lack it entirely. But then I would probably have lost interest. But all of them, um, you know, you're whatever you step into that role of hero for the most Mm -hmm. part. I mean, some of them are already special for some reason i mean like you're master chief like it's not like you were just a regular common person and you got called to greatness master chief's kind of already awesome and was kind of created for this new step in kind of maybe mid-myth um but that's you know because but i i feel like all of them kind of have that i mean even in destiny like you're a you're a corpse and something supernatural comes, it brings you back and you're given like light and you're told that you're a guardian and you have this thing to do. And I mean, the storyline's not so laid out for you. It's all in pieces. But I mean, I feel like that's what you guys are all talking about in the lore. You've got various parties vying for your your backing. Like who whose side are you on and, and who's, you know... I feel like there is this ordeal and it's, it's multiple ordeals. Cause it's like when those like 10 year ongoing stories and stuff. But I mean, just when I heard you give the real basic meta myth, uh, there are very few stories I could think of good stories, video game or otherwise that didn't somehow kind of fit there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's no. And that, I mean, and, even, I mean, yeah. that is, and, and that's actually one of the criticisms of Campbell's thing is that it's so general that of course, everything's going to fit into it. Which is it's kind of again kind of the point was he's like well yeah it's supposed to, it's supposed to be it's supposed to kind of be a one size fits all um, yeah like the whole um, the whole saying that of like there's nothing new under the sun like every story has already been told like yeah kinda but I mean that doesn't mean that people can't innovate and still make interesting things within this overall overarching template right i mean because you have like for example the dune dune trilogy was actually uh herbert wrote those actually as a um a way to subvert the the idea of the monomyth um i have a quote from him when he was uh in 1985 he said dune was aimed this at this whole idea of the infallible leader because my view of history says that mistakes made by a leader or made in a leader's name are amplified by the numbers who follow without question and that's the end of the quote and then one of the guys in one of the introductions to the to a one of the versions of the trilogy said quote the bottom line of the dune trilogy is beware of heroes much better to rely on your own judgment and your own mistakes, end quote. And that was in 1992 uh, from Thomas Clarison. And Dune, uh, Herbert actually wrote Dune to kind of break the mold of the monument. I mean, in, in a way, it kind of still follows a bit, but the entire point was the, was the entire don't trust the hero. The hero is the person who's going to mislead you ultimately. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, and so like, you know, you said, you said Master Chief. I mean, Master Chief has the entire departure and initiation and all that, but it all happens outside of the video game, you know, like, and so, and I mean, I'm not saying that the lore isn't there. The lore is definitely there, but as far as within the video game, I've always been kind of interested in seeing that. I mean, uh, the game that I really think follows this is Assassin's Creed, like Assassin's Creed two with the Ezio mm-hmm. trilogy. I think that would, cause you, you really see the transformation of Ezio through those, through those games. Yeah, I do think part of though the the video game part though, um, I think not in a lot of video games the whole story isn't in the game. It is in the mm-hmm. lore outside of it, like a you know like the story of Sonic or whatever. You have to go look outside of it for other stuff because I think because video games are mostly about action. I mean, there's more and more story based games out there now and stuff, but these action ones they the story is there. That whole arc from of the hero's journey is there, but they throw you right in the middle where the action is happening, where that ordeal is happening because that's what people want to play. Um, they don't want to play the reluctant hero or the reformed hero. Those are the little cutscenes at the beginning and the end that tell you where the story came from and where it ended up. You know, it's hard with video games unless you're going to do like what Nell said and go look for the story do what focus fire does and, 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 and people get together and bring all the parts together and kind of tell the the bigger picture. I think video games try to target um, that one midsection of the actual adventure, uh, with well, the exception of some of these big role playing games that I think do a much better job of incorporating the story as part of the game. Yeah, I think there, I think there's some um, video games that do a really creative job of of storytelling, like even even like Mass Effect, like you're you start the game and you're kind of thrown into the story, but it's like you're, you're playing this normal story of this soldier, but he doesn't have, or he or she, uh, Femshep, uh, <laughs> doesn't have the initiation until you reach the end of the first stage and reach the Perthian beacon. And, and that's actually the, that would be the start of the, the rest of the monomyth for the arc. I think, I mean, I agree. I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying and that, or Kashin, I see what you're saying and that, and that does make sense. And that, I guess that's kind of my, always been my frustration with some of the video games that we play is I kind of want to see the whole story. I want to play through that whole story. You know, that's kind of the point. That's why I'm, that's why I'm such a huge fan of like, you know, Skyrim and those RPG games like Fallout and all that. Um, is because I kind of enjoy that that you know it's not necessarily action, but it is at the same time. Um, yeah, who wouldn't want to be the hero chopping his own firewood? And, oh my gosh! You know, <laughs> <laughs> Here spending hours we... decorating their house. Hey, hey, you, you know, know what? Here we go. Here we go. That sounds like a real good story right there. I know my favorite stories have chapters full of organizing books on a bookshelf you know she's she's mad at me for skyrim is what what this is stemming from i already lost like a big chunk of my life to that game and then they're like bringing it back and we're gonna do it all over again (laughs) (laughs) hey hey that is time worth lost 
I mean, where else do you get to go fight dragons and have a family? And that part is exciting. The dragons and he's like yelling stuff. That was exciting. And then, but but like that was like thirty minutes, and then there was four hours of. Wait, hold on. Let me put this diamond here. No, that doesn't look. I pick it up. Put the diamond in this bowl. No, no, that doesn't look right. Oh, and like stealing everything. Oh, I think I need hey. that cheese. No, I need that bread. No, uh, I need that bone. I need that rock. I need. It was like what? Wait, wait, wait. Kashin. Kashin is mad yeah. at someone stealing everything. Hang on. So Kashin has this habit of playing rogues. Like, a lot. <laughs> I, think it much, I think it much more interesting. It's part of the story. It's not like hours of her pickpocketing. That would get boring. <laughs> she totally has that. Whatever. I'm not defending Kashin. She's awesome. She totally has her own meta myth. I'm not threatened at all. <laughs> Oh man! But see, that's the beauty of Skyrim. If you don't want to spend hours pickpocketing, you don't have to spend hours pickpocketing. You could go do other things. Mm -hmm. You could do other things, couldn't you, Blue? (laughs) Is that that, that news to you? (laughs) This game could only take what? What what, what are your people in chat like? Took three to four hours. You could do it. What did you say? A thousand plus? Three thousand. What were you doing? I was stealing everything. All the things. I do not know how many hours offhand. It's quite a bit of hours into Skyrim. And I still have not finished the main storyline. Because I got down that rabbit hole of playing so many of the side quests Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like the Dark Brotherhood and everything. That I I still don't know how the story ends. I don't know what happens when you kill the dragon. (laughs) I managed. I, I got stuck in the glitch on the 360. Uh, so I literally Which cannot, one? the very, the very <laughs> last mission I can't finish mm. because the person that I'm supposed to talk to is locked in combat mode and won't stop fighting so I can talk to her. And so you know, like, she keeps like running off and I keep like, I'm like, I spent the entire, I chased her the entire map one time because I was, I was like so frustrated and I'm like, I've already spent like, you know, three 3,000, 3,500 hours on this game. I'm not restarting the character, like, at this point. I'm like, I'm just... That's when the stubbornness kind of kicked in. And I was like, so yeah. Same thing happened to me with the um, companion storyline, and it was like that for months. And then I finally went back to it after maybe, like, six months or something, and then I loaded it up, and it fixed itself. So you might want to load it in and (laughs) see what happens. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Probably going to go dust your house. I think there's probably dust collecting in all those books. You probably need to (laughs) shuffle them up a bit. Okay. It's not that much. You'll have to dust and clean. You have a... I don't know some random NPC. That's that comes why we adopted kids. You don't know that. I bet you money if he goes back to that little house, something happened and like things shifted and fell off, and he'll like freak out like OC, like he does with the dishwasher. He's got to put everything back. Oh, here Just we go. Like it was. This is, this is why you should not let your wife on podcast. exposing all your secrets exposing all my ocd tendencies that most people probably are not going to be surprised to hear about are you going to stream skyrim because if everyone Uh, can see yeah i'm going to stream skyrim (laughs) they'll know i was not lying or exaggerating the Uh, the so on 
on on a one quick little more tangent about Skyrim. Did you see the guy that is actually kind of related that actually won a screenwriting award for his mod of he made this whole entire like story that deals with um time travel and everything within the Skyrim universe and he he won an award for it. It's so but it's a mod. It's like no one related is with that Bethesda. The, was that anything. the guy who did the Hammerfall? Not Hammerfall, okay, it was okay. something else. It was another um one. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of it. If you give me about five seconds i could probably find it so maybe someone in the chat will know because the chat is awesome they always know that stuff yeah, that they, i cannot remember <laughs> no, the mods that's actually honestly that is really one of my favorite things that's coming to the new skyrim is the ability to use mods i think unless that's... you're on playstation <laughs> actually i think they finally let you guys get it really because I the last thing i heard so. they said no well they sony, said no sony gets... no 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 so, PC Master Race. Oh you know gosh. what? I would love to have that out there. <laughs> In an ideal world, yes. In my world, no. Because that costs money and I don't have money to buy a PC. So, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I guess kind of. Swinging back to the concept of the monomyth, and you know, this is definitely something that gets refined. You know, it was introduced in 1949. Uh, it definitely got touched on later. Uh, there were there were a couple iterations of this that came about. Uh, there was a one by an individual named David David Limming in 1981. Uh, another by Phil. Cosineau in 1990 and then Christopher Vogler actually retouched it in 2007 and they actually they didn't change a lot um they they broke it apart they broke the segments of the axe up differently but they really actually left the 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 three acts kind of alone they really did um they simplified it a lot Campbell had 17 and I think the one that had the most was Vogler and he only had 12. So, and again, they just kind of generally explained their own concepts within it. And they just basically more personalized their approach to it. Um, and that's, and that's really kind of the idea of story guidelines. Um, and you know, we, we've definitely, we're definitely talking about the implementation of lore into video games. We've, you know, obviously been talking on that tangent for a little while. Um, and I guess my, my question for each, for everyone here, in case we haven't already answered this, what are some of your favorite methods of implementing lore into video games and some examples I'm gonna you know start with Inver. Inver, what would what would you say your in your experience? Uh I don't know. Like um because with EverQuest, like I, I was super into the lore on the Pantheon of the Gods in EverQuest. And like I feel like I got into that because like I got into the love I got to the level where I was able to go on raids on planes and suddenly it's all like oh yeah i'm I'm, like in this god's home city but now like i don't really know what 
this dude's about. I'm just killing his people. So maybe I should like read up on that or whatever. <laughs> um, and then like with Dragon Age, like there's like the, and with Mass Effect too, like they, they do a good job of including all of this extra information. That's just kind of like you're exploring your home base and just talking to your companions and everything and just getting all of this extra information and I guess the, I guess that would be my preference, like being able to to talk to other people in the game and like like NPCs in the game and like get all of this extra information. Like it it makes it makes things more real because it's not just like um it's not just like you find like you find a random book and you just start reading it in the game. It's it's like you're actually being told like this is what's happening out in the world like you don't get to experience it in the game because we haven't developed that yet but Mm -hmm. like fyi this is going on like this is why this is important yeah so you actually you have a a semblance of of living it instead of just experiencing it through text yes yes it's it's a much more lived world for me that way Mm -hmm. i can see that what a kashin do you have favorite have you in your in your purview of video game mm. watching <laughs> um you know i the only game i've really played most of the way through i mean aside from like pokemon and stuff i i played on playstation one i played lunar two and it was like a turn-based rpg uh with beautiful animated cutscenes and stuff um you know, it, it was very linear. Like you had to kind of follow through. There were some choices you could make, but um, again, it was all about like the characters and um, you know, in a video game, I guess if I'm if I'm playing it, I want I want amusing characters that I am endeared to. You know, I like forming a party with like multiple personalities and multiple backstories. And I like seeing the conflict develop between the two of them, even if I'm not influencing it. Um, I like the, you the low pressure. The, you just want to stir the, that's what I you just like. Wanna stir, yeah. I just want to watch <laughs> it all fall apart. I like <laughs> getting real messed up. Um, it, but if I'm, if I'm, if I'm just watching, which is the majority of the, the games that I do, um, because I'm not playing, I, I demand a lot from a story because it, it's you know i get like a little two or three minute clip and then i gotta watch six hours of gameplay with no story so it better be really good and like games like halo have mastered that capturing really intense moments both visually and in the dialogue in small little snippets like revealing the story and making it real and that even if i have to watch blue play through the same level for like six hours to defeat a legendary i'm so rocked by that five minute cutscene and watching chief fight through this horde of whatever to get to his goal i'm still sucked in because it was so powerful so i mean and in order to do that it's a it's a big picture thing i mean you know halo's the master of this i, I feel like in video games the, the world was so vivid and the characters and when they brought in Cortana and the relationship with, with chief and um, I don't know, it Halsey. I mean, all of it was just so much intense 
human emotional stuff. Even though, like, she was a robot. I mean, they made, I don't know. Things like that, if, if, if they have to be these intense human moments that last longer than that cutscene, I guess. Like the, the punch in the feels that Halo 4 was. Duh, the feels. I want, yes, I want that emotional reaction. Like, I don't really want, like, important people in my life to die so I can feel that agony of losing someone I love. Because that would be horrible. But I want to live that in a game because there's something so vivid. If, if, if you love someone that much, only when you love someone that much can you feel that kind of pain. And, like, you can feel that kind of connection. And this is very visceral humanness that is awesome. But I don't really want to live in my life ever. But I want to experience it in a nice little safe <laughs> environment. It sounds but, really messed up when I say it out loud, but like, just there it is. <laughs> but that makes sense because, I mean, if you think about video games, what are they there for? They're there as a form of escape and to experience things in life that we can't do on our own. Like, that game gives you the ability to, you know, be the very strong person that maybe you are in real life. So it makes sense that you look for something in a game to experience that maybe you want to experience in life, but you really don't want to experience in life. You want it to be in a controlled environment and video games give us that ability to have a controlled environment to do things in life we wouldn't normally do or not allowed to do. And I think that's maybe why like the game, things like GTA and stuff are so popular because I mean, you can't really go down the street and pick up a car and carjack it and drive the opposite way and run over hookers and pick up their money. <laughs> so to me, it, to me, it didn't sound crazy because it may, it makes total sense that you want to be able to experience certain types of emotions from games that you wouldn't normally experience in real life. I mean, I've never felt the draw of running over a hooker, but I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, you get your money back after you you use your services. So <laughs> we all have our fantasies, I suppose. <laughs> it's a thing. I not necessarily our thing, but it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing for sure. It, that's a money maker. That game. So. Oh yeah, appealing to somebody, dude. How many GTAs are there? There's a lot. So yeah. Well, what about what about you now? Oh no, what what was that? Uh, Well, I I will say that like one one of the first like the very uh, first very emotional time that I had playing video games was the very first playthrough that I had on Dragon on Dragon Age Origins. Um, I was a human noble, and when you finally meet up with the dude that stole your title and killed your family, like I was like shouting in my apartment, and I'm pretty sure I could never <laughs> my neighbors in the eyes again because it w- I was I was so angry, like I was so happy that I killed his ass. Feels <laughs> <laughs> good, doesn't it, man? It it Whew. felt so good. Isn't that isn't that the clip that you sent us? <laughs> When you like walked away or something, or was that maybe was that origin? I can't remember which one it was. I feel but, like I sent you lots of clips. Yeah, that's that's probably. And I know they're all Dragon Age story clips that I have most of no, them. I have no idea what is going on in them. So, uh, Mel, what about what about you? What would do you have any? Um, I I think it's pretty similar to what everyone else is saying. The ones that you can fully immerse yourself in and you feel like you're not necessarily playing a character but 
you are that person in the character. It it breaks down <clears throat> to me. It breaks down that barrier between um, be you know playing a character and then actually experiencing the game. Like to me, like I, I Mass Effect for me is the only one I can really equate this to because I feel like this is the only game that really had this much of an effect on me. Um, it it broke down that wall for me between playing a game and being a part of it, um, being able to feel like what the things that I did and the choices I made um, made a difference to what was going on in the game around me made it feel much more immersive. And I think, I mean, if you think of the, the way that games are going these days, like that's, that's, that's what people are, that's what everyone's trying to do mm-hmm. is how much more immersive can a game be? I mean, look at all the different VR technology and stuff that's coming oh. out that you can do. I mean, I just saw a, a, a video the other day that was a 360 degree treadmill that would allow you to be in, in the VR simulator. And so that way you can run and, but you're running in place and mm-hmm. then you can like stop and then you can strafe. I mean, to me, that that's is, insane. That's so ready player one. That's amazing. Right. Like I would totally I would, play that game. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to live it. Right. And I can imagine like, wow, that's a great way to lose some weight. I mean, I can sit here and run away from all these guys. <laughs> me too. Me too. I was like, right? calories. <laughs> right. So, um, <laughs> but specifically your question was blue. Like, what was your favorite way of store of, of video game storytelling? Correct. Yeah. Like what, what would your, what would you have an example of like a method of implementing lore into a game? Oh, method of implementing lore. Um, I I I like a combination of just enough to whet your appetite within the game, either through storytelling, like actually going and talking to NPCs, or um, you know, like some type of of not a lot of games narrate anymore, but I, I probably just NPCs giving you a little bit of information to make you go, huh interesting and then either the rest of the lore is being told either through finding stuff within the game um such as like skyrim you have to go find the different books and you read different books and then that's how you find out more information or back to mass effect you went through and you scanned different planets and you talked to different people or at different stages of the game you talk to different npcs under certain circumstances and you find out more about them um stuff like that i i really enjoy that make you they give you enough to to have have to pique your interest to make you want to learn more but then it makes you work for it a little bit more um as much as i love destiny i i really don't like the way they how they deliver a lot of the lore through the grimoire cards i like how the grimoire is written i like how it's um whoever writes it and does and does the 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 i guess the voice for the different characters however they organize it i think is really good I would have loved to have seen a lot of that information released maybe actually as a book you can buy or a comic book you can buy or something tangible um, or have sometime something within the game. Um, I think, what was it, last last podcast when we were talking to Bo, how he says, oh, I wish there was a library behind the speaker for which mm-hmm. you can go in and you can read all this information. Having something like that, I would be totally down to or having when you go do strike missions and stuff like that, you can go, I know they're doing a little bit more where your ghost can scan it and it gives you a little bit of information, but having more stuff like that, where it makes you go out into the the actual world um, and find that information for yourself. I love that, that type of stuff. So um, 
But of course, any type of lore that you can get, anything that gives me more information to give a bigger picture of where I am or my character is in relation to the rest of the world and why, like specifically, why is that plant there or why are these people here or why is the sky blue? Basically, you know, for all intents and purposes, giving me that information makes me feel much more immersed into that world. And so if they're able to deliver that type of lore to me, I am like, yes, please. A plus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think, I think, you know, you brought like Skyrim up again because you know, I, I don't, I don't have she any did? partiality to Skyrim. Shh, shh. <laughs> but like one of the cool things, shh, just shh, hush. Um, one of the, one of the really cool things that Skyrim did was on their loading screens, they had snippets of information about the NPCs. Mm-hmm. Fallout like, does the same thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bethesda. Bethesda. But, I know. Um, <laughs> because they're really good at this. Um, <laughs> But, like, that was a really cool thing because, like, you know, I just remember the freaking snow elves because there was, like, they were so creepy. And, like, they would have, like, the little statue model that you could, you know, you could interact with on the load screen. You could turn it around and turn it over and, like, zoom in, zoom out. And, but then they had, like, a little paragraph and it was like, this is a blah, blah, you know, blah, 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 and just, you know, showed that. I thought that was a really cool idea. And then, you know, then you could definitely go back. You, you could go and say like, hey, I, I saw a, a troll. I want to know what's, you know, the way to fight that. And, you know, you would have an idea of what you were looking for outside of the game or even inside the game, you know, for the, the, the books. Um, but the other the other implementation of lore that I've seen that I'm just a huge fan of is the Assassin's Creed. Um, mm-hmm. just simply because, and you know, we, we talked about this in the extra lore, the extra lore episode about Assassin's Creed, but like the very nature of the game makes it so easy for them to be like, Hey, we're going to talk about this thing that happened in the history. You know, we're not going to talk about it. Just go live it. Like actually go play through it. There's mm-hmm. a mission go. And, you know, by playing through the mission, you get the story. And, you know, not only that, but the, the cutscenes for Assassin's Creed are amazing. And like the, they just, they nailed the, the character, the characterizations of the assassins very well. But that was, that was, you know, and you can't, you can't do that with all the games, obviously, because the, the, um, the lore and the, the mechanics of the game aren't all that, you know, easily accessible. But as far as implementation into that, that was a very, very nice way. Um, another one that I, that comes to mind is, um, and I just blanked on it, do sex. Um, as far as, you know, you were talking about the impact of your choices on the world, uh, do sex is like that. That is exactly what they are focused on is, (laughs) you know, your choices have impact on the world. So, uh, Mel, I think you had something real quick. Um, I, I want Bioshock, um, the first Bioshock, I'm not necessarily infinite in the other ones, but the first one, I really liked how they, they told the lore in a backwards type of way. Like yes. they showed you the, the result of everything mm-hmm. and then you slowly uncover little bits and stuff. Um, and it definitely, again, it's another one of those games that made you work for it. You had to find those holotapes and all that information if you want to know what happened. Yeah. Um, 
the storytelling, I think, in the <clears throat> first Bioshock was amazing, amazing, amazing storytelling um, and how they delivered it. And it's 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 pretty a pretty basic, straightforward, straightforward way. You get little, you know, you get a few little NPCs giving you a little bit of information and then you pick up little hollow tapes and little bits of of things that were recorded before everything went down to give you some information and then the environment and the settings of where you are actually playing current time um, gives you a little bit of information too. So I felt like that one was really good in that it didn't lay a hundred percent everything out for you on a platter saying, okay, this a happened, B happened, C happened, D happened, blah, 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 blah. It was kind of like, well, this kind of happened, which might have probably led to this, but we're not going to explicitly state it, but we're going to heavily imply it. Um, heavily, imp- excuse me, heavily implying some storytelling. Um, I like a lot too, because it it, get, it cracks the door open for some, maybe some spin foil ideas and for you to kind of go, well, well, maybe what about this? And what about this? And so kind of giving you guess, keeping you guessing also is kind of fun too. So, but that was I do it. love when games do that and they allow room for players to just completely theorize the hell out of anything and like like i feel like that's what builds communities like they just let people take the field and just won't give you an answer for another five games or whatever (laughs) destiny totally doesn't do that (laughs) (laughs) well I mean, if you're thinking about Bioshock, I mean, Bioshock didn't really explain everything until their fourth game. And the fourth game still leaves so many unanswered questions. You're like, wait, 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 wait. what? Lighthouses? Wait, what? There will always be a lighthouse. There will always be a lighthouse. (laughs) Yeah. Multiverse is always fun. Like rewards and revelations. Like, like, like you were saying, Mel, like it's about, you know, you get rewarded for, um, you know, finding certain things, you know, or completing certain things. And, you know, you start off either knowing the end of a story or just only a small fraction of it. And as you prove yourself through the game, you get things revealed to you. And all of a sudden things like make sense, like, oh, that's why I did this. And, um, I think that's, that's satisfying feeling like you've been rewarded for either you know being diligent and like you know being one of those players who like make sure they look at every corner and talk to every npc or you know you finally got through that boss battle that took forever and now you get a cut scene that kind of finally puts some information together and gives you some satisfaction i i totally admit that i am one of those very annoying players if you ever play with me when they first release a new map or a new area or whatever it is, I'm literally going to every single nook and cranny to see if there's like <laughs> some random text on the ground that I'm like, oh, oh, did you see this text? That means this and this and this and this. And my <laughs> friends just look at me like, Mel, shut up and, and get over here. We're trying to fight the boss. I'm like, but, <laughs> but the sky, you know? <laughs> so, um, I, I, what I'm tripping on my words now because I'm getting really excited thinking about how <laughs> all these different games have told stories that I just love. And each one I, I'm thinking about it tells their story similar to an extent because I think there's only so much you can do with a video game 
in that format, but they all do something very unique too in how they how they do stuff. So cool. I mean, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, we we can do literature analysis so easily of books and, you know, and written stories, short stories, books, you know, all that. But when it comes to video games, it's, it's like you're playing, it's like you're used to looking at a a checkerboard and all of a sudden now you're playing 3d chess, you know, like the, the addition of the medium that video games is adds a completely different, not just a completely new chapter, but it actually adds a completely new dimension to the storytelling mechanics. And it's just, to me, you know, that's why I wanted to take a chance on this episode and talk about not just story crafting, but like how, how we see it fitting into video games. And so that's kind of where that, that logic was coming from is because it's, to me, it's just a fascinating thing. You know, I can write a good story, but applying that story to a video game, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a whole different challenge. And so it it's, to me, it just seems like, you know, my hat, I tip my hat to the people who do that because it just, yeah, that's I, a whole nother layer. Right. I, I wouldn't even know how to go about like, cause to have a good story and then to make it playable. Right. Right. And I mean, yeah, like, and, yeah, it's. I can't. Well, I can't I, imagine the iterations that they went through in any game. Well, I mean, I think with books, I, at least with books, when you if you're doing a literary analysis, that's that's what you have. You have everything right there within the book. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with a game, it's there's so much more. There, it's not. It's it's not just verbally or written. Um, you know, text. What is being said? It's also the environment like the different cues given to you from the environment the style that they're wearing like style of clothing to costuming to you know looks of characters to to everything everything every little bit that you're seeing on screen and hearing through your headset or hearing through the tv tells a little bit about the story that they're with they're telling it's the same thing like it's like movies it's the same but you're much it's much more interactive and that's the best way that i can describe video games is that it's based you're watching a movie but you are the main character you are the one you dictating how fast the movie is going and what's going it's an interactive movie you know everything that's going into that those i i would like to think that game makers put just like they do in movies, you know, if there's a can of soup sitting on the wall, then it's there for a specific purpose. You know, it's not just there to fill up space, you know, like lighting, um, you know, certain scenes are, are, are rendered with certain light for a very specific reason. Same thing with movies, like things are lit a very specific way to create certain emotions and certain feelings and all these factors go into telling a story and so there's there's so many layers beyond just what is written and verbally told throughout the, throughout the game. You know, it's not just, you know, what that that small element. It's everything combined that creates that world and tells that story. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. There there's just so much more involved in 
trying to turn video games into into well, I mean, in turning video games into a research topic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because mm-hmm. I know Inver, we've talked about what was it? Was it uh, was portal? It portal? Yeah. I mean, just just chatting about doing a research thing on just like Portal, and I mean Portal. Portal has a has somewhat of a story, um, but like, somewhat. Yeah. That's a whole story right there. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. That you know what? In the <laughs> if life <laughs> if life gives me lemons, I'm you take, would take stream those lemons. Cushion playing Portal. That's what you would do. <laughs> that doesn't sound like fun at all for anybody. <laughs> Is it is there cake involved in this stream? If there was cake, I would totally say. Oh, there is cake at the end, Christine. You will get some cake. You will totally get some cake. I know all the spoilers. Don't lie to me. (laughs) Lie? We would never lie to you. (laughs) Oh. Um. One thing that I just saw that chat brought up that it's also really interesting um, in video games is the different puzzles uh, mm. through the ARGs and stuff that have been coming through. That That is an crazy way of storytelling and revealing information and lore. Um, not only is, is it interactive beyond playing the game, it makes you think. And beyond just like, oh, spin foil ideas or, you know, theorizing certain things like you have to literally work really hard for that. And it's not something that maybe everyone can figure out. And, you know, if it's a puzzle, who knows? Is this the right answer? You don't you have no clue if it's the right answer until someone at the, the you know, above Bungie or whoever it may be. It comes and goes, yeah, 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 that's that's probably the right answer. You know, like <laughs> that's and that's 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 crazy. And and. And then, you know, I also think about, like, I, I want to say, going back to Destiny, um, you know, since we're a Destiny podcast, like, hearing the fact that within the Vault of Glass, there's still lore secrets and things that we have not be- been discovered. That's insane. I mean, think about how many times we've all been down the Vault of Glass of playing that game. I mean, I know I've explored it for hours on end and haven't found anything new. But for them to tell us, like, you guys are, there's still stuff down there. Don't worry, we got you. You know, <laughs> so like, and it makes me wonder: like, are they actually really? Is there really stuff down there, or are they just saying that just to make us go crazy? You know, it almost doesn't matter. Like the fact that they tell you that it might be down there makes people look for stuff and mm-hmm. and, and create it. It's pretty. I, I like that about Destiny. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I think it would be frustrating if I was an actual player in the game. But- <laughs> I, I would like, be so frustrated. I would not be able to handle that. <laughs> so I get to like sit back and watch you guys create a story out of nothing, and it's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah, especially since like the Vault of Glass, it's all jumping onto like one inch ledges, and it's very, very taxing. I would rage quit so hard. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I suck at platforming, like platforms, like platforming and jumping stuff, jumping puzzles. That's a whole entire nope for Mel. Um, so <laughs> a lot of yeah. times I'll, I'll give it a good go ahead for maybe about 30 minutes. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and watch your screen and let me know if you find anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but yeah. Oh man, video games. Video games are awesome. And I, I, I it's always really really crazy to me to think that there's a whole sec of people that just like, ah, video games are dumb. They're for kids. You know, I'm just like, 
what? That's like saying like watching movies is for kids or something crazy like that. I'm like, you guys are missing out some on some great storytelling and, and they're fun. I mean, like you get to go shoot things and like <laughs> pretend you're someone else. I mean, like it's really fun. And I, 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 I wouldn't want to run over hookers and shoot their <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean, you also get to steal like giant helicopters and crash them into the ground. Like that's like that's crazy. Dreams. Like, dreams. What dreams are made of. Dream dream big right kids. Dream big. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, even even me, like as as a uh, someone married to a gamer, like I, I understand that like people get frustrated if they don't understand games because I struggle because I I've tried really hard to get in and play, and I don't know if it's the skill factor and I just like get angry real easy, but I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It's like real hard, but even I can see that that these games have so much to them that I, I mean you'd have to like just not even try not to find something like. To, to like about it even visually these games are gorgeous like mm-hmm. you just watch assassin's creed or i mean even destiny i mean the maps are just and the mm-hmm. armor and the weapons everything's so detailed that even if you are like me and like can't stand trying to play it because it's just so difficult <laughs> you can but like <clears throat> but you still see it and appreciate it and from what you've said that you will sit down and like to watch blue play them. I mean, and so you still are enjoying them. You're still getting that story and that information and, and some type of entertainment value from the game, regardless if you're sitting there playing or not. I mean, I know lots of friends who maybe don't want to play the game, but they'll go online and they'll watch let's plays and they'll watch someone play the whole entire game, you know, because they much rather watch someone play it than play it themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I, but to me, the the whole entire the what boggles my mind is that there's people out there who won't even give games a chance, and I'm just like, are you, you're crazy, right? Like, what rock <laughs> do you live under? I, I, I mean, especially like in this day and age when they're they're so they're so crazy and so immersive you know like i can understand like maybe back in like the early 90s and 80s when there really wasn't much story to go off of i mean like what's how much story is there in frogger you know you know or, or galaga to, like you know i'm aliens. sure he's got a fascinating backstory oh yeah like the reason he's crossing the road is to save his five kids that have now gone to the lighthouse and are a completely other dimension um <laughs> Yeah, add that to the to the pool for next week, Blue. <laughs> yeah. Can, can we do a Frogger behind the Lord? <laughs> well, these days there is something for everybody, <laughs> like in the, in the games and stuff. So if if you are more into action or you're more into the story, or I mean, like Blue tells me that all the time. Like, don't give up on video games. I know there's a game out there you'll love. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to find it. Like, you know, first person shooters, probably not my thing that requires some coordination and patience and well, commitment that I just don't have. So, but yeah. And, and for a long time, I wasn't, I mean, I, I played perfect dark, <clears throat> but then I didn't really touch shooters for a long time. And then Zach showed me borderlands, the first borderlands. And he's like, Hey, play with this with me. I'm like, okay. And I, at the time I, I like to play more like adventure stuff um, or like easy hack and slash or fighting games. Cause those are the ones that I could play. And I didn't get frustrated with them. Um, 
but I'm like, okay, fine. And I struggled so badly with it, like so bad. Um, but I got better. And and what kept me going was the story and the characters trying because. to find out more about these. Yeah. <laughs> Borderlands um, is amazing. Borderlands. If you have, if you haven't touched any Borderlands games, like please do. And especially if you love shooters, um, they're they're amazing. I, I I can understand the first one's a little tough to get through because it was more of like a proof of concept game. Then and they didn't really focus on a lot of the story, but there it's there. Like there's there's definitely a lot of lore, um, and they released a bunch of comics to back up more of what's going on in the first game and how like the Vault Hunters came together and like what their backstories are. So, um, but to that and and me falling in love with one of the characters i'm like in this whole entire world i just loved it made me want to become better at video games you know and then i kept picking up more shooters and stuff and then we started playing and i played the first halo on on the pc but i didn't touch any halos for a long time after borderlands we went back and played most of them together um zach and i you know and then i picked up like you know gears of war and all that stuff for all the other stereotypical shooters besides besides call of duty i don't touch call of duty that is that is a no no Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um (laughs) that is that is a whole lot of nope that is a whole lot of nope i'm sorry guys I love you. Who don't apologize. <laughs> don't apologize to COD players. Don't. I, I played it once and I, it was such an awful experience that I, I never wanted to play it again. I just, so. <laughs> but, and I totally forgot where I was going, but yeah, but back to the lore, that's what made me want to become better at video games. Alice, Alice, uh, madness returns. Like I said, mm-hmm. I suck at platformers. I, I struggled with that game so much. And I think I actually threw my controller several times <laughs> playing that game because I couldn't do those jumping puzzles because I suck at it. But now playing that game and like, you know, some of the jumping puzzles in Destiny, I'm not too bad. I can get by. I don't sit there and want to cry and like turn off the game for days at a time <laughs> or because I couldn't do it. So, I mean, it like, these games and their stories and these characters made me want to become better at video games. So that way I could find out the stories and not have to sit there and go, Han, can you beat this boss for me? Like I felt oh like, so <laughs> now I don't have to do that anymore. Now it's a race who can beat it first. <laughs> so. Oh, because when I was growing up, that's exactly what it was. My brother was the person who was really good at video games, and I would watch or help him solve puzzles and stuff. But I Mm -hmm. would try to play Zelda Ocarina of Time or whatever it was. I think that was the one it was. And I'd play through the whole first level because it's pretty easy until you got to that giant spider tree. And I'd be like, Steve! (laughs) (laughs) It It had nothing to do with the fact that it was a spider. (laughs) <laughs> everything to do it had like eggs that fell from the ceiling i just wanted to ride the horse i just wanted to get big enough to ride the horse <laughs> and play the songs and play the songs expectations yeah yeah chickens i wanted chickens and horses and throwing pots i just oh, so you do want to spend the whole game just chopping wood you know it's funny that that you brought that up because a lot of app games on phones, 
that's what they are. I I totally admit I'm totally addicted to those those like dress up games on your phone. Like I have one. It's so stupid. You guys are gonna laugh at me so hard. That's the cosplayer in you, though. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's called Dream Girlfriend, and you just sit there and you play. <laughs> I would follow. You. I would watch you play that. I love that. just to get cute outfits and you dress up your girlfriend and then you have little conversations with her and and then you get extra bonus points and then she says really creepy things to you and it's really awkward so but (laughs) i love it and you know what i'm thinking about other games like there was there's lots of other ones like a lot of the ones on on that I I think of my friends playing that they're like that you know like one was called line play that I was playing for a while and all it is is literally getting stuff to decorate your room or I mean I think about things like um, oh you animal- love that game oh and like God. animal Animal Crossing Animal Crossing is literally playing a game about <laughs> making a house and living like that that's all that game is you know like and they just make it really cute and adorable because your your neighbors are little animals animals and they're adorable and they make give you cute little notes when you send them a shirt in the mail that you hate you know so i mean <laughs> but like literally the whole entire <laughs> the whole entire game is about finding that cute lamp to put in the corner of the room you know like or finding that perfect wallpaper which is so silly you know but i mean is that I a game it. though i mean that's it's totally yeah. Animal Crossing is a game. It's on the DS, and it was on the GameCube. The I think it's actually came on in the. It's on some of them are on the Wii too. I always played it on the on uh, the DS, but yeah, you you literally have can to you go. Win? You can win by getting a perfect rating on your town, but it's one of those continual ones where you like you play and then you go back and you play a little bit more. You like it's just just one of those perpetual ones. Like there's really never a starting point in the story and an ending point in the story it's just kind of like oh you're here in a town make a cute little house and collect things it's a collection game you know and that's yeah and a lot of the app games now are are collection game type stuff too and i like them i think they're a lot of fun they're mindless there's not really any story to them but but yeah so, so one of these app games that's my guilty pleasure right now is the stupid um, Avengers Academy game. Oh, God. And right now they're having this Halloween event where you have to collect everyone's costumes. <laughs> and it's frustrating this out of me because I can't get Iron Man in his cardboard Iron Man costume. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you enjoy it, though, right? Like, yes, I mean- yes. Like, there's, like, like, I guess there's story, like, there's, there's quests and, like, there's, there's dialogue, the dialogue between the characters, really but, yeah. but, like, it, it, it's totally just a time waster and I'm collecting things, mm-hmm. like, cardboard <laughs> costumes. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is. So, back to what we were discussing, how <laughs> do those... Random dance. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying, I'm trying to bring it back, so how, how... Where do these small little games like Animal Crossing and collection games and and stuff like that, like where does that fall within the whole entire topics you guys were talking about earlier that totally almost went over my head with the monomyth and everything like that? Like, how would you guys tr- think that those fit into the whole entire storytelling meta of video games? Oh, I don't think it does at all. I mean, I think... I think those are satisfying for a different reason. I think that people 
I think I think people are stressed. I think you nailed it with the mindless thing. Like sometimes you just want to do something that's satisfying. And a lot of people get satisfaction from checking things off a list or completing quests. Um, you know, you know, I tease Blue, but I totally get why he does what he does in Skyrim because you want to complete all the achievements. Like you want to collect every item. You want to get everything to its max level, even if it's chopping wood or whatever it is, because there's something satisfying about feeling like you accomplished it. And these are small little goals. Um, You know, a lot of these things are personalized. So they're like yours. And I think it's, I think, I mean, the only, I guess, common element would be like that escape thing. You know, you want to be a hero and adventure, or you just want to escape, you know, the stresses of your mundane life and to do something that is light and fun and relaxing and mindless. I mean, I think it, the absence of the story makes it more mindless and, and, and not, you know, they don't have to work at all. You can kind of just participate at a real basic level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. <clears throat> like if, if it, if it has a semblance of story, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the beauty of the idea of the monomyth is that it's so general, it's so overarching that it really does fit quite a bit. Um, I mean, unless, unless you have a producer or developer or, you know, an author who is actually trying to not follow the, like if they're actively trying to not follow the monomyth, which it's very difficult to do that. Um, because again, it's so general. If if that's the case, then yeah, you're probably going to have a game that breaks out from the monomyth theory or something of that nature. You know, again, like Dune. Dune was written partially to subvert the idea of the monomyth. So it, of course, doesn't really follow the generalization that the monomyth has. But these simple games, if they have, you know, I think... I think it's a testament exactly what Kashin was just saying. I think it's a testament to the 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 stressors that most people feel in their everyday lives that these games are so popular. You know, uh what is it? Candy Crush. Uh what's what's the other one? Neko oh, uh, Atsume. No, not that one. Uh Bubble <laughs> is it Bubble Witch? Is that oh, the bubble. one? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. But like, you know, uh, who who's the producer that does that? King. But those are like puzzle games. Those right, are but what different I mean, than what. But what I mean is like the reason that those things are so amazingly popular is because a lot of people have a lot of stress in their life, and they in exactly what you're saying. They want to be. They want to just finish a level. You know, they just want to, I want to beat a level and I feel accomplished. I feel, I get a sense of, I know people who sink money into the King games, the little puzzle games, simply because they want to beat that level. And you know, that that's, that's something that they allow themselves to get sucked into. And there's no story. There's no, there's no story to the game, but it is something that, you know, that's, you know, what we were, what we were talking about previously. That's the beauty of video games is it's, it's an escape from reality um but, so i will say okay here we go i mean if we want to get real meta uh meta um i mean basically you're running your own myth you're having your everyday life you're wanting to depart and go into this special world of whatever 
puzzle <laughs> app game and then come on back he would like refreshed from whatever was going on and continue on with your life like with your ordeal of level 147 or something yes that's exactly what it is you are the meta myth well because i mean essentially i mean i don't know how deep i want to go into this uh, <laughs> No, I mean, but yeah, that that does, I mean, it, that's kind of what I am saying, too, is that these, you know, ARGs or the VR, the thing is, is that, yes, everyone wants these type of things, and it, and that's, and you know, Mel, that's kind of why I laugh when people start, when they kind of look down on video games, is because it's, it's the people who look down on video games, but then they're, you know, they're avid readers, they're, they're avid writers. They, they they have just the same they have the same desire for escapism. Their method to escape is just different. And so mm-hmm. and to me, to me personally, it's you know, as as a person who reads and as a person who plays video games and as a person who loves I mean, like I love watching movies. I love all these different forms of escapism. I don't really see one or other being a better form. It's just, you know, it's some people don't like reading. Some people don't like playing video games, but both are equally potent for the individual in question to escape from the reality that they are wanting to escape from. And that that's why, you know, story crafting is such an important thing is because it's, you know, like what you guys have been saying, that's what pulls us into these different mediums. Really, you know, a good movie will make people want to watch it over and over and over and over and over. A good game, you keep coming back to. A good book, you keep coming back to. You know, I mean, that's that's the point of a story. To me, at least, that's... I No, I totally agree. Because, um, I, I mean, I'm definitely... It's not that I don't like novels and stuff like that. They're just not my preferred method... Mm-hmm. Um, of, of of storytelling. I mean, there's been books that I've totally just like, I can't put down and they're page turners for me. Um, but, you know, like Lou said, my, my go-to is probably video games or movies. Um, video games are definitely much more of a participant type of storytelling, I feel, whereas a lot of times... I admit if I don't want to be do a lot of activity and I want something mindless, I'll just throw on one of my favorite movies just to be entertained and have my favorite story told to me, you know? Um, And I think it's interesting how as, as a society or creature or whatever you want to say that storytelling, I think is still one of the, the most passed down pastimes and forms of entertainment that you can think of i mean Mm -hmm. even just sitting down with your grandparents or a relative and having them tell you a story um about their childhood or things that have happened i know right when my boyfriend comes home the first thing i want to hear about is a story about his day and i think as as humans we always want to hear stories about other things that didn't happen to us um regardless of how they're told to us yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I'm trying to, I was trying to think of any, but that might be an exception, but you know, if they're not into games and they're not into this stuff, I mean, the, the people who watch all these shows and they get obsessed about it, the, the level of 
fan fiction that's out there where people don't want to let these stories die and they want to keep creating um, based on things that they have loved. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think it's pretty much a a part of, of who we are. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some exception, but I think we're all looking to um, see beyond our own lived experience and see what other people are doing. It's just like, like you said, different mediums work well. You know, for some people, a quiet book is soothing. Other people, it just takes too long. You want to like live the story. So you're going to like jump in a video game. Other people have plenty of action and stuff in their life and they don't want to sit and, and let the movie or the show happen to them. Um, I, I think that the, 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 the art of the story is, 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 is critical to how we're going to get through and, and handle and deal with all the major events that happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think those preferences are just like the same types of preferences when people talk about learning styles. Mm-hmm. Um, like some people learn different ways. Some people want to experience a story in as a book or as a TV show or as a film or as a video game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You didn't even like mention the the all the cosplaying that you do, but I, I feel like that's um, really an extension of a lot of this. Uh, storytelling because for me i think Mm -hmm. the characters are like are probably the highlight of stories for me and that's all you're doing is you're taking these characters and you're bringing them to life and and i know you that that you're you're not just um creating a costume that visually looks like the character you know these characters that you're playing and you picked them for a reason because you really like their story and Mm -hmm. um you know and visually you think they would be really fun to cosplay too but um, it's interesting you mentioned that. I wanted to try to s- segue into the thing, but we were just on so concentrated. But um, when an, anytime you look at a costume, they should be able to tell you a story about that oh, character yeah, without. I remember, I remember yeah, talking I, about that. Yeah, I know Blue Blue knows this, but they should be able to tell you a story about that character without them ever speaking a word to you, like just the, the like the textures of their costume, what type of things are on them. You know, will help you tell a story about who they are with without you even knowing anything. Without even like you can look at a picture of a character or something like that, and you can know zip about that character but you look at that costume and i guarantee you you can pick out at least 10 things about that character just by looking at what they're wearing and like movies are one of my favorite places to do this um um, especially movies that i call quote-unquote costume porn where they just have these (laughs) gorgeous costumes (laughs) and i'm sitting there like um i know it's a really stupid movie but um the cinderella remake the live action that is a total costume porn movie and like snow white (laughs) and the huntsman which is an awful movie by the way yes it's awful it was so beautiful It's, it's so costume, pretty. yeah, it's costume porn. So I literally had no idea what that movie was about because I was just sitting there looking at the costumes and trying to deconstruct them and trying to say, okay, that is telling that the the way that the sleeves are created and the textures and the fabrics that are used on that character, that's why they use them because it says X Y Z about that person. Um, that is really interesting. It is really, I, I love it. And I, anytime I do, I get the opportunity. I, this, you know, a lot of time goes over a lot of people's heads for like topics to talk about at conventions because a lot of people just want, I want to know how to make armor. Like that's what people want to know. 
Mm-hmm. So, but anytime I get the opportunity to talk about like fabric theory on how fabric choices can make fabric theory, way. yeah, that's so cool. Uh, I mean, I feel like I talk about all the nerdy things there are to talk about, but that's a new, yeah, fabric theory and <laughs> character. I, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean no, that. Well, cause, cause I know. Like, like, <laughs> like I feel like there's this whole thing to just like embodying a character to that depth. That was, mm-hmm. that's just I mean like, that's a it, whole extra level yeah I mean like it's so e- when I tell a lot of people who are making costumes or trying to learn how to make costumes like it's so easy to go down to the fabric store and like okay this character wears blue this is blue I'm gonna buy it and they make our costume out of it but I'm like you have to understand that there's so much more than just picking out a fabric that's the right color. Like you have to like, okay, what type of fabric is this? Like, are you going like, I'm not going to make like, if I made a, my guardian, I'm not going to make the fabric out of a bridal satin, even if it was the right color, like that texture and that, that shine and everything that that fabric stands for is completely incorrect about telling me about what that character is. It would just, it would just look weird. It would look really weird. Um, but if I chose something like denims and linens and vinyls, um, denims and linens are going to tell you that this is more of a character that is rugged and rough. Um, they do a lot of a lot of hard work, a lot of hard labor. But then if you start throwing in like spandexes and printed vinyls and stuff like that, um, some plastically textured materials tell you like, okay, this character is set in type of futuristic type of setting based on those type of textures that are in their costume. Um one of my favorites to to talk fabric theory about is um, the Chronicles of Riddick. That movie, like mm-hmm. I love the Riddick series in general, um, but Chronicles of Riddick maybe wasn't the strongest movie in the series. But those costumes and how they tell the story about the different sets of people and who they are and what they do is amazing. Like, wait, which one was that? That's with it was uh, Vin Diesel. Is that the one they're on the? They're, I know. Is that the one they're on the moon and it's dark a lot? And no, no it's the second. It's, it's the, the second same, one. It's the one with the deathless. <laughs> yes. It's the one where they had the really cool, the really cool armor, and then there's the girl who is wearing those really cool big dresses. Uh, I think she's a black woman. I, what else does she play? I for, I forget, but she just like she has these gorgeous gowns, and her 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 husband is Sebastian Stan character, and he um Dame Vaco Dame Vaco is the girl's is the female character, and Vaco is the the guy, but the whole entire all those outfits are crazy and amazing. Like you look at them, oh okay, it's just some you know crazy looking futuristic dark armor but no look at them and it tells you so much about the religion that that group of people stand for it's insane it's insane and then like you all the outfits from new mecca echo a lot of what you would see in like middle eastern type of garb um to show that these people are are traveling to it's a holy land they're traveling to a mecca so they have a lot of like linens and loose fabrics and a lot of um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Love headdresses and stuff like that that indicate that they're more of a people of of the earth and of religion than of about possession and material items and like how rich they are. Um, and then if you look at Riddick, Riddick, he is just completely he's bare bones. And you look at that if you look at him, you just look at Riddick. You're like, 
that is a guy I do not want to mess with. Like, you don't want to mess with Riddick just by looking at him. And, and why? I mean, yeah, of course, Vin Diesel is this very intimidating looking person to begin with, with big muscles and a shaped head and that that scowl. But, I mean, if you put him in a dress, he wouldn't be nearly intimidating. But you put him in, a you know, a shirt that's kind of cut up and these pants that are, are kind of futuristic, but they definitely indicate like I can move in these and I can kick your butt. And then he has all his hands wrapped and he has all these leather wrappings around his arms and around his hands indicates that he he's will kick your ass if you say the wrong thing to him. So it's I, like I said, I can sit here and talk fabric theory and costume theory and, and storytelling forever because it combines some of my my two favorite things like lore and costumes. Like, so. like <laughs> oh my god! Like you need to you need to dress all of my characters right now. Like, <laughs> I need to send you pictures of everyone, and you need to tell me what's wrong with them, and I need to get them fixed. <laughs> like I am so excited right now. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that kind of covers everything we have about about storytelling. Um, do you guys have anything else that you guys want to add? Kishin? Um, no, I mean, not without like running down the rabbit hole and stuff. Oh, I know. I feel like we could go. <laughs> I could we talk could with you guys forever about anything. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I think this podcast should sometimes be called "Down the Rabbit Hole We Go." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes. um, awesome. Well, that was yes. great. That was great. I I know I learned a crap ton because I am not. I I did not go to school for for any type of literary or psychological anything like that. So. It was really entertaining to listen. I want to go write a book now. Josh, you want to write? I mean, Enver, you want to go write a book? Sure, that sounds fun. Let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, let's let's move into like our final comments and our shout outs. Uh, Kashin, do you have any any shout outs that you wanted to? Oh, uh, shout out to Justin. I'm so sad you're not here for this. We're hanging out with you. But that's all right. We had a really good time, and uh, just because it, it 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 always needs to be said, uh, shout out just to the community and stuff. Um, you guys have always made me feel so welcome. I'm not really a gamer, but I feel like I totally have a place um, hanging out with all you guys. Um, you guys make this whole thing awesome. So thanks for including me. I like I like doing this with you guys and just kind of been along for the ride. We enjoy having you. Yeah, yeah. We always like fresh blood. I mean, new guests. On the show. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> how about how about you, Inver? You have uh, any shout outs? Uh, well, I guess I just want to give a shout out to to you and Mel. Thanks for thanks a lot for having me on the show. I'm. This was a lot of fun. Perfect. And then Mel, Mel, what you got? Uh, I don't have too much um just uh i guess just a fellow reminder follow-up reminder that uh the uh um dames of destiny are going to be the doing our breast cancer awareness i'm not a part of dames but they are um 
stream this weekend. Um, so definitely go ahead and check that out. I'll go ahead and give all the information to Blue so that way he can put it again into the chat. So definitely something to check out because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and everyone likes boobies. So um, <laughs> <laughs> let's, <laughs> so let's, let's make sure we uh, kind of do something awesome for, for those, those that are in need because um, cancer is no joke. Um, other than that, I don't really have anything else. Um, Thank you uh, to both of you for being on today. I, like I said, I know I learned a bunch. So thank you for, for teaching me some things today and uh, broadening, broadening my horizons mentally. Well, and on the note of the Dame's breast cancer stream, Focus Fire is actually going to be streaming with them from 1 to 3 central a or 1 to 3 a.m. Central Time, Saturday morning. So this Saturday morning. Um, I don't know what I'm going to be streaming. I don't know if it's going to be Destiny or, you know, since something's coming out Friday, Skyrim. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to tear... like a little library catalog. Hey, hey. It awesome. Shush. Shush. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to echo Mel. Thank you, Kashin and Inver for, for being amazing and jumping on kind of, kind of the last moment. Actually, I was, I was getting ready for the, the podcast and I was like, Kashin, you just, you just started writing some stuff. Do you want to jump on? And then we were talking and then and she, she was like, well, is Inver around? And it's like, I just get him in here. Let's go. Um, so thank you guys for last minute jumping on and you know, jumping into a two hour conversation about this stuff. It was a, it was a ton of fun. Um, and then a quick reminder for emails, emails. Let's, uh, next topic is going to be Icora Ray. So what I want is some emails on everyone's thoughts on that Vanguard mentor. So the warlock Vanguard mentor, what are your thoughts? What are your opinions? You, whatever you want to talk about with Icora Ray, um, we'll try to read a couple of them if depending on how many we get. Uh, just email the news to focusfirechat at gmail.com. Um, and with that, we'll begin to wrap everything up. Uh, thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend the evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found within our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Kashin and Inver, for jumping into the chat. We really appreciate having you as part of the chat tonight, and I will be sure to get your guys' uh, links to your Twitter accounts up in the show notes for anyone who wants to give their own thanks to you over there. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast, including next week's topic, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. We do try to keep the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central, but if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at focusfirechat. Also, please be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.